0: This is 40K Today.
1: Good news. If you're listening to this, we won't have to notify the ecclesiarchy
2: of potential heresy. You're okay. carry on, citizen. Welcome to a special Best of 40K Today. We're your daily dose of 40K news, and we feature content creators from across the globe. We love 40K and know you do too. Today, we bring you a selection of our favorite interviews from this week. We have to say a massive thanks to our friends at Frontline Gaming for having us in on a Saturday. If you like what you hear, give us a listen during the week at 40ktoday.com, or you can find us via your favorite podcast player. I'm your host, John Demaris, and today on the program, we talk to Dallas Rappaport about Tyranids in the new edition. We also get a hobby tip from an artist who had their armory featured in White Dwarf. Brian Pullen stops by to tell us what's going on over at Tabletop Titans, and Scary and Kyle drop us some super cool info about a super cool event. In this week's Faction Focus, Beast from the Northeast, Dallas Rappaport swings by to talk about some of the best things Tyranids bring to the table in 9th edition. All right, this week we are very lucky to be joined by Dallas Rappaport, which some of you might not have heard of, but he is a terror on the East Coast with the Tyranids, and he's here to tell us all about how to use them in 9th edition in this week's Faction Focus. Dallas, take it away.
3: Hey, it's great to be here with you. Um, I think the big thing takeaway of Tyranids right away is... They're not an army that is going to map you off the table with amazing guns or re-rolls or or units that you look at the stats and it's like, wow, this is just a great unit. Um, I think they are an army that has a lot of tricks that involve movement, reserves, um, and playing the mission very well. Uh, So I think you have to approach it from perspective of, I'm not going to try to just bully you off the table, but I'm going to surgically use these units to steal points from you. And then at the end of the game, you... Have almost nothing left. Your opponent's almost tabled you with his reroll guns that are much better than yours, but he's behind on the scoreboard big time. Um so I think that's really how to have to approach most matchups, if I were just to generalize how TN it should work.
2: Cool. So then you're you're still using Swarm Lord then, right, to get those units to move. But it sounds like um, maybe you're changing it up and maybe not using those stealers that everybody leaned on for so long, those cracking stealers. Like are are you using more of the gaunts?
3: Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, Steelers have suffered greatly, um, not just from points increases, but mainly just changes to the core rules as far as coherency, you know, being able to get out of wraps, um, all of that stuff, being able to shoot into combat with some units, just a million reasons why Steelers aren't what they want them to be. But I do think the main, you can take away from them their ability to move very quickly, touch stuff. Um, control objectives, all that, but you want to transition it to more throwaway units where their goal isn't to do damage, but they're a cheaper unit that you don't mind just sending in a 10-man unit of gaunts. They touch some stuff, they steal some objectives, and they just create value for you. So using things like hormigaunts or termigaunts, um, even with, like maybe a small unit of gargoyles just because the, the max threat range they have, you know, they're not obsec, stuff like that. So similar concepts, but you just move away from gene sealers who you need to survive and do damage to units you know are going to die you're just going to try to steal points for them and mitigate some shooting
2: yeah and i imagine that you'll also use them for some move move blocking shenanigans that kind of thing because they're just throwaway units but you can you can generate value by slowing because it's only a five turn game you slow down your opponent's ability to score on the mission and thus denying them points is kind of like you scoring points
3: yeah i mean that is a huge part of it i think you know that's the thing is you can use one small um gaunt unit of whatever variety to potentially steal objectives, move block, and uh, touch units in combat to limit their shooting, that they have to shoot certain units. Um, and the way a lot of armies function in this edition is a big brick that kind of moves, as far as like Death Guard or Sisters, um, or even some Marine units that just walk around the table. You know, being able to just limit what well, you just can't move is extremely valuable, um, especially if it involves maybe taking objectives because you move a bunch of OPSEC bodies uh, on objectives that were. 30 40 inches away
2: okay and then now that we're in ninth edition and you've had a few reps what are some units that you think people should be checking out for their Tyranid armies like what are some maybe undervalued units that you think are maybe a little better in ninth than they were in eighth
3: yeah i think um zone tropes have been a huge buff this edition uh they didn't suffer that much in the points department but mainly this this edition has seen a big transition away from garbage units of just tons of grots, guardsmen, cultists, like all that stuff to more elite units, especially like with an extremely prevalent space ring meta. Um, so Smite, just in, the general rule of Smite has gotten better just based on how the core rules and missions have dictated list building. Um, and I also think that, you know, the way scoring is where you need to basically survive through the turn, being able to put a unit of five um, of models on an objective is extremely hard to shift. And they also give you a unit that tyrants don't have, great access to which is durability just standing out in the open um, most units are pretty squishy for tiernids and they give you a lot of tools when it comes to that
2: yeah and i suppose smites probably have more value because i think two of the armies that are really coming up are custodes and harlequins right and they're both smite allergic so having that in your list is probably well positioned in the meta right now at least the way it stands
3: yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, I played against a Custodes person and the Smites were just brutal. I mean, you know, any of that stuff with where you can just bypass certain defensive buffs, like negatives to shoot um, or high invols, like toughness, any of that stuff, it just ignores all of it. And the fact that you don't have a bunch of Guardsmen or Cultists or other trash units in the way, eating that uh, really increases the value you get out of those units.
2: Okay, that makes total sense. Last question. What advice would you give somebody play if they saw Tyranids across the table from them? Like, what's uh what's what they should be thinking about in in the game?
3: Um, I think it is you need to ask que- if you don't have a full understanding of the capabilities of the army, is ask a lot of questions because um, they're an army where you can look across for it and be like, this is army on paper is a pile of junk. It's not very good. But then all of a sudden, there's units in your deployment zone, move blocking you. There's stuff all over the table, getting objectives, and you're just like. How did we get here? What happened? So I think the best thing you can do is have a real understanding of the limitations of what can move. Can this move in charge? How do I stop this? And it'll really help you kind of dissect their abilities and stop them. Um, I think that's really the biggest thing because they're not an army that's just gonna out efficient you, out shoot you. Like chances are, whatever army you're playing is more efficient at shooting, it's better in combat, etc. It's you need to understand of how to not get like get tricked by not understanding what their movement capabilities are and things like that.
2: Yeah, and I do think Tyranids is an army that wins in the movement phase is how I would describe them.
3: Yeah, I think that's extremely accurate.
2: Dallas, thanks again for stopping by. Uh, If you guys want to hear a lot more about Tyranids, he's actually on Art of War this week, which will be available on the Frontline Gaming Network on Monday, or if you're a patron of the Art of War, should be available when this podcast releases. All right, Dallas, thanks again.
3: Yeah, thank you very much.
2: You can get even more tips about Tyranids on Monday's Art of War that can be found right here on the Frontline Gaming Network. Okay, Simon talks to us about his Sons of Horus army that was featured in White Dwarf recently. He tells us how the idea came to be and a bit more about his beautiful paint scheme.
0: I'm here with Simon today and he is going to tell us all about his army that was featured in White Dwarf. So thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: So for many of us, we sort of flip through White Dwarf and we always imagine what it would be like to actually have our army featured in the magazine. And I just want to know, what does that feel like when you see your stuff on the pages?
1: Yeah, uh, it's amazing. So it's pretty much a childhood dream come true. Mm -hmm. Um, There were so many armies when I was like nine years old and I bought my first White Dwarf and I just... uh, I looked at them, and I—I I never thought my my nine year old self never thought that I would be up there one day. But um, yeah, I, I was always uh, uh, painting was always a very big part of the hobby for me, and so I—I uh, I just constantly worked on it, and yeah, and now we are here. <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, I'm not shocked to know that you've been painting for a really long time because your collection is. Beautiful. Have you yeah. been collecting your Sons of Horus for a long time, or is this sort of a newer project for you?
1: Um, uh, it's, it's kind of an ongoing project. Uh, when I started in the hobby when I was nine, which is pretty much like over 20 years ago now, uh, I was pretty much only into Xenos uh, because I thought space marines are pretty boring because they're just humans in bigger armor. <laughs> yeah. But, um, as soon as I discovered like the the Horus Heresy novels, uh, this changed for me because the the space Marines in there have so much depth to their character, and um, I think um, you don't really understand like space marine culture until you read those books because the Codex is not really giving away that much. So it is kind of of a, a longer ongoing project for about life. I think I started. 6 years ago.
0: Wow, that's awesome. And your collection is amazing. You've got some Forge World stuff in there and some Primaris stuff. Uh you've been kind of getting a little bit of heat online about uh, how you have collected your army, but was there any sort of thought process going into it of like something you wanted to achieve or did you just sort of collect stuff that you liked the look of over time?
1: Okay. So uh, when I start a new army, it's usually that I have a, um, like an idea in my mind how I want to play it. So Mm -hmm. it's like more rules driven. And then, um, I just, um, see that I can get a competitive force out of it. And once I have that, uh, then I start to just roam around the, the background and add stuff to it that I like. But like the the first idea is always like ha- have a like a two thousand point army that uh, works with forty k uh, with tournaments and stuff. And um, since I picked up the horror series novels, like the Sons of Horus, were always the, the legion that I think were was the coolest. Um, okay. And uh, like I said in the article, I have kind of uh, a taste for the bad guys, <laughs> and. Um, the the heat you mentioned was like because people thought it would be like a, a true Horus Heresy army, which it, it it isn't. I mainly play 40k with it, which doesn't mean that I um I wouldn't go down the route and play Horus Heresy uh, in a day. The the main problem is that we lack a player base here, so um, the the true Heresy I have I've been doing is that I play them as Ultramarines. <laughs> Some people didn't take that kindly
0: yeah well that's the cool thing about the hobby is that you can do whatever you want for it like your war dollies are yours to paint and play however you choose and i think that that's one of the coolest things about this hobby personally yeah it is it is yeah um what drew you originally to the sons of horus you kind of mentioned that you like the baddies uh but was there something in the lore that really captured your imagination
1: Oh it was pretty much everything like the the whole uh like history of the sons of Horus from like when when the novel started Horus was a pretty great guy he was very relatable he was uh nice he was like a, a cool big brother and like the uh the whole um, issue he has with uh, with the Imperium in the end and his evolution is something that I really like and I really like to, um, to explore in my miniatures.
0: Mm-hmm. So one last question. There is a lot of struggle for people when they are trying to paint Sons of Horus' color scheme because... Even, like, like Forge World and Games Workshop can't seem to come together to, like, tell you how to paint an accurate color scheme, but you've nailed it. Can you share your recipe with us?
1: Of course. Um, like, the, the recipe is printed in White Wolf, but, like, for completion, I can uh, just uh, give it a quick rundown. So uh, I experimented a lot, and there was definitely one scheme that I settled for. That's mm-hmm. like the, the, the green is like cabalite green applied via an airbrush over a black uh, primer. Uh, sometimes you need to do that twice because like uh, the black uh, really shows through after the first one. Then I do highlights with sybarate green, um, also via an airbrush, and again a, a third highlight with the airbrush, sibarit green, and wraith bone about I would say 75 to 25%. Okay. Um, and after that, it's, it looks really weird because it's very, very bright. But mm-hmm. this is intentional because after that, I shade the whole thing with a 50 50 mix of Coelia green shade and Lamia medium. And that takes the whole thing down a lot. And it also pulls the whole um, thing together. And after that, it's pretty much like edge highlighting with Wraithbone. And do the whole um, like weathering with um, typhus corrosion blacks and um, yeah with a, this is the last step is applied via a sponge.
0: Oh wow, and that is really awesome. Yeah, it is absolutely stunning, and uh, we'll make sure to post back to your Instagram. But everybody should go out and check out that white dwarf because the photos that they took are also just so fantastic but thank you so much for being on the show it was a pleasure to have you and to find out more about this incredible army
1: yeah thank you and if you if the people want to see more they can head over to my instagram account and i also have there a full tutorial uh of the green and i will continue to uh do like the the gold i used in there and the other techniques will be there sooner or later
0: perfect super helpful thank you so much
2: Thank you. How
0: cool would it be to have your
2: army in White Dwarf?
0: This episode is
2: brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash instantinkspotify. Welcome back. Our friends over at Tabletop Titans are putting together a competitive tournament for us all to watch and enjoy. Brian Pullen stops by to give us all the details. Brian, welcome back to the show. We're very excited to have you. Uh, I saw a really cool announcement from you guys. you want to tell the listeners what's going on? Uh, Yeah, thanks for
4: having me. Um, Yeah, over at uh, Tabletop Titans, our YouTube channel, we're running a cool event, which is called the Tabletop Titans Tournament. That's four four T's. Um, And basically what it's going to be is a single elimination tournament that we're going to play live on our channel in seven different games. Um, Basically, we've been missing out on playing competitive 40k as many people have stuck at home and uh this is the closest thing we can get and we're hoping to put it online so that everyone can get a little taste of new ninth edition uh competitive 40k uh in this kind of time when we can't go to tournaments
2: yeah so we're going to have some competitive play and you guys have uh, i believe eight different factions is that correct
4: yeah exactly we've we we haven't necessarily tried to pick like the top eight factions although we have many of the top eight factions represented but we've picked um, a mixture of things that we think are interesting. So we have, uh, Death Guard and Tau, um, which is the, actually the first matchup happening on Saturday, the 22nd. And then we have, uh, Custodes and Harlequins happening on the 25th, Craftworld and Admech on the 27th, and then White Scars and Orcs on the
2: 29th. Those are a lot of interesting matchups. So uh, handicap this for me. Who are you betting to win at all?
4: so the cheap answer would be go to go with the armies that are already doing the best, like Harlequins and Custodes are already in a really great position. Um, I think space Marines are in a great position as well, but white scars aren't necessarily the top performing. Um, so probably one of Custodes or Harlequins are, are in the best spot just because of their current win record. But when I look at the field, I don't know, it seems like a hard game for, for those two factions. Um, I think death guards in a really great spot. That faction is so amazing. Um, and uh, I'm at a hard, I'm hard picked to, to pick a, a faction that doesn't have a shot at the very least.
2: Yeah. Well, and I mean, you didn't even mention ADMEC, right? Which a lot of people think is going to be very strong in ninth edition. So, um, yeah. Yeah. It should be a, a really, really, really fun field. And like you said, sp- space marines are space marines. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I was talking to John Lennon and he thinks White Scars are the best of the marines. So do I. So. I, I think so
4: too. They just are a lot harder to play. And so early in the edition, you sometimes find armies that are, Kind of more more straightforward to get the wins because people don't have the practice in. Whereas White Scar is one of those armies that takes a lot of practice, so you can't just be great with them your first time out. Um, and that's actually one of the reasons why I'm not as confident about them. I'm going to be playing the White Scars in this tournament, and uh, uh, I've only played maybe five or six games uh, with them, and so they're hard. They're a hard faction to master
2: right so who else is who else is piloting armies in this tournament so it's
4: actually just adrian and i uh, that's one of the interesting things um adrian and i are going to be playing all of them so it's a very unique format um where uh, i'm i have four armies he has four armies the funny thing is it might end up being that all of his armies win and then i have to end up piloting some of his armies um in the second half of the tournament but in the first round at least we're only playing our own our own factions
2: That's exciting. I'm 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 excited. I'm going to have to turn it into some of those for sure. So uh, how can people find it? Like when, I mean, you obviously gave some dates. They can find it on your YouTube channel. um, But is the the schedule like what's the what's the overall schedule? How long is it going to take for you guys to finish this up? And so
4: it's just it's seven games because it's single elimination. The first round is starting this Saturday, the 22nd, and it goes until the following Saturday. And then basically the next week is round two, which is just two games. And then uh, that final Saturday um, is the finale. And so um, basically it's just two weeks. Uh, So we'll play them. We're going to do three games a week, um, essentially, uh, and then one extra. And uh, we'll have it done in two weeks.
2: Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know what I think I might do? I think I might bet on you, Brian. (laughs) <laughs> I, don't, right. I don't know which which faction you're gonna pilot to victory but i'm, I'm gonna bet on hey, you because
4: Adrian and i have about a 50 50 win record in ninth edition on the channel so far i actually think um with last night's game he might just just have pulled ahead on me um uh we're gonna see we both have some good factions uh in this i'm playing the tau the custodies uh the admech and the white scars so i've got great factions um so we'll see
2: so do you guys have like a, a little friendly, uh, rivalry going on? Do you actually keep track of the win losses? We
4: actually don't. Uh, but we just talked about it last night, um, because I get the reputation on the channel as the one who only rolls sixes. Um, and, uh, Adrian has a reputation of rolling terribly, um, and, and, and everything going badly for him. But, uh, it's, it's, it's a funny reputation because sometimes I do get these crazy rolls, uh, but we all do, but it's, it's kind of pers- part of my personality on the show. Um, and, uh, yeah, we just kind of stopped to think about it for the first time yesterday.
2: Uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, you guys have wonderful chemistry. Uh, your battle reports are very informative and well-produced. So kudos to you guys. I know you guys have had an explosion of popularity in, uh, since the launch of, launch of Ninth edition, but that, that directly correlates with all the work you guys have put in because I have no idea. I, like To me, it looks like voodoo and witchcraft. I have no idea how you guys put out so many high-quality videos <laughs> in Thanks. such a short time. Yeah, 9th edition
4: was a lot of work, but we had a lot of fun putting it all out. And now now we're kind of in a steady state of two live games a week. Um, although for this tournament, it's going to be three a week. But
2: yeah. Yep, because you can't help yourself. <laughs> exactly. We're
4: just excited for this event.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I think everybody's just excited for ninth edition, right? It'll yeah. be really nice when we have a vaccine and COVID's in the rearview mirror and we can get back to you know rolling dice and hanging out with our friends. But this will be a nice substitution in the short term, I
4: think. Yeah, this is uh, this is the best I could do to give myself a little bit of competitive play. In the meantime, uh, but yeah, nothing's a substitute for getting out to those
2: big GTs. Yep. All right, Brian, thanks so much. Thank you. I don't know about you, but I'm rooting for Brian. Who all do you think will win? Scary and Kyle stopped by to talk about the Big Game and try to explain to us exactly what 120,000 points look like. No, I didn't misspeak. 120,000 points on the table. Our own Tanya Gates stops by to get us all the details.
5: Oh no, they just came out of the woodworks. Oh no, they're grots. They're grots. They're snotlings everywhere. Run for your lives.
0: All right. Well, I'm here with Scary and Kyle today. <laughs> hello. Nice hello. Uh, nice to have you guys on the show. <laughs> Say hello. Hi. <laughs> hello. Hi there, everyone. And we're here to talk about the big game. So let's get started. I'm going to start with a question for Scary. So this is the second annual big game, but how did the idea originally come about?
5: So Kyle owned a lot of Orc models and he was like, I want to play with all of my Orc models. And I was like, that sounds like a fantastic idea. So Kyle was like, pressure me and hassling me. He was like, let's set this up. Let's do it. And I was like, amazing. You know, he lobbied me hard. And uh, (laughs) we ended up setting up a day where he could bring his entire Orc collection, which is a lot of orcs, and we got a hodgepodge of other hobbyists together to, to uh, stem the tide of the horde of orcs, and uh, therefore the, the big game was, uh, was created, oh, right. and uh, COVID did set this one back a little bit. However, we are doing it this weekend.
0: Yeah. That's
5: right, you double doubled your collection size.
0: Almost, yeah. Yeah, so Kyle, when we say the big game, how big are we actually talking it's around
5: 250 pounds of models. <laughs> I'm well, this is just the orcs. This is just the orcs. That's right. That. But in terms of like layman's terms, it's about hundred and twenty thousand points on the table from both sides. Yeah. 60,000 are painted, <clears throat> all bad moons, all orcs. Smaller <laughs> models. It's gonna
0: be fun. It's gonna, it's, be gonna be, a
5: lot. it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm super, super pumped.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Like, what kind of space do you need to put that many models onto a game table?
5: We're going to be using one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, about ten six by fours all pushed together. Basically, we're making a small tournament saying here, the The one big table.
0: That's incredible. Uh, And how many people are you recruiting to help you like pilot each side?
5: Well, because of COVID, we can't have a crazy big group of people however uh we have about 10 people or so uh combined between war bosses that will help kyle move all his orcs and the imperial hodgepodge with eldari allies normally yeah. um that uh composes the uh, opposition
0: and i get to be a war boss for the weekend i'm so <laughs> excited thank you for having me you guys
5: uh, we're excited to have you our very own correspondent for 14k <laughs> today oh yeah
0: uh so kyle are there going to be any unusual models on the table since you know you are kind of known for your custom printed stuff
5: a fair chunk of the orc army is going to be 3d printed and freshy design so it's going to be a lot of models that people won't recognize right away they're going to be profiled very close to what the games workshop stuff is so it's going to be mm-hmm. a lot of really big and cool models some are the size of small children <laughs> well i'm staring at two warlord titans right now and that's that's some hefty warlord titan orcness <laughs> that's a cosplay gun it's full size you could carry that easily you know i think someone could be scared if they ran into that in an alley in a dark night <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh how about on the non-orc side they're going to be any cool models on there or
5: I think we're mainly using a lot of GW models. Forge <laughs> and Forge World. There's lots of Forge World. So lots of knights. There's gonna be a Warlord Titan from Forge World coming up. There's gonna be a lot of uh probably some Warhound Titans, maybe some uh some knights themselves, and uh and then some of the fortifications that you never see in regular 40k. It's a game to throw off the collections. Correct. It's a collective collection showdown.
0: <laughs> so if people want to Enjoy this with you. You guys are going to be streaming, correct?
5: That's right. We will be streaming on Saturday and Sunday of this weekend on the ScoutCast Twitch page.
0: Excellent. Well, I get to hop on a plane really soon to uh, to join you guys, and I'm so excited. And thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having us.
5: Yeah, no problem. Anytime.
2: Oof, that sounds amazing. I'm going to say that one more time just for fun: a hundred and twenty thousand points, people. Okay, here it comes. It's time for Model of the Week.
5: It's the, the Model of the, day, the The Model of the, day, the
2: The Model of the Day. Every day during our regular weekday show, we feature a Model of the Day, and we've been able to show off some stunning work this week. This week's Model of the Week is one you might have already seen. A Trader Guard Lehman Rust tank that is just grimy and gross in all the best ways possible brought to us by Richie P on Instagram. It looks like it's seen many a battlefield. I love the use of weathering and battle damage, but the very best details are all the graffiti adorning this beauty. It's very subtle, and you have to look for it, but it's very, very cool. The more you look at this model, the more details you will see. Putting this on the table would be amazing. If you have a model that you think we should feature on the show, or you've seen a model that should be featured on the show... Let us know by using our hashtag on Instagram, hashtag 40k today, or just toss us a message on Facebook. We take submissions that way too. And that's it for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you'd enjoyed getting a peek at the fun stuff we did this week. A big thanks to our content producer, Alex Banner, our social media superstar, Tanya Gates, and our technical producer, Seamus Ronan, for all their hard work once again in putting this program together. If you liked what you heard on the show today, make sure you come check us out at 40ktoday.com or on your favorite podcast platform. We do a 15-minute show every day with the kind of information that was found in today's show. We'll see you next week. Until then, for Paul Murphy and Steve Joel and the rest of the 40K Today team, I'm John Damaris, and that's what's happening in 40K Today.